This message is brought to you by Living Faith Church. You can find us on the web at livingbyfaith.com. We're going to um, continue with, with um, unhindered faith. And just I'm going to share what God gave me um, to share for tonight. Uh, and I wanted to start off with um, this um, picture that kind of puts, always tends to put things in perspective for me. Um, I, you know, um, Asia was ministering during the week and like, you know, some people have had bad days or bad weeks and maybe bad months. I don't know. But, um, just in talking about faith and everything, I just, I'm always taken back by the universe and I don't study it a lot, but I get these little factoids that I just grab onto and I'm like, wow, that is so cool. I mean, there's, it's amazing. And so, um, Aurelia, can you put that picture up? So this is called the pale blue dot. And um, this is from Carl Sagan's book, The Pale Blue Dot. And um, this happened, this was a picture taken by Voyager 1 on February 14th, funny enough, Valentine's Day, in 1990. And so Voyager was a spacecraft and it was departing our our, um, solar system. And it turned around for one last look at our home planet. And Voyager 1 was about 4 billion miles away. And that is the picture of Earth right there. And they happened to catch it in a stream, in in a light stream, and that's how they got the picture. And I like to look at that sometimes and just put things in perspective. (laughs) You know, I mean, like everything, you're there. That is you right now, and all of us, and all the however million, billion people live on planet Earth, I don't know. And everybody that has ever lived on Earth lived right there. That encompasses from the beginning of Adam and Eve to where we are now and everything that is to come. And I just, you know, we're talking about faith and the vastness of our universe universe always makes me just stop and go, wow. I mean, wow, God. I mean, that's, the first time I saw that picture, I was like, oh, huh. And, you know, the word says we're seated in heavenly places with God. And, you know, so when we can continue to get the picture of ourselves seated with God, it makes the things of this world, not that they don't matter, because we live everyday lives and they do matter, but it also puts things in perspective. And I just, I don't know. I just wanted to share that at the beginning today because I I just, I like it. Well, as we get into to more unhindered faith, I mean, unhindered faith. I mean, trusting God that, that has no boundaries. I mean, look at the universe. I mean, it just keeps expanding. They, they can't find the end of it. Every time they get a stronger telescope or whatever, they find more. So the universe keeps expanding or it's just so massive that they haven't found the end of it. I tend to think because God is a prosperous God, that it, he doesn't, there's no ending to God, so therefore there's no ending to the universe. I feel like it keeps expanding and it keeps growing because that's how he's made us. He's called us that way, like we can just continue to grow and move and prosper. So anyway, if you want a picture of that, you can find it on the internet. Um, so I wanted to get into what God gave me for tonight. 
And um, I don't really, I mean, I'm bad with titles, but I started with the simplicity of faith and then the power and simplicity of faith. And, you know, I guess it's the power and simplicity of faith. But, um, you know, sometimes like there's so much vastness to God. And when we get into um, teaching and we get into like listening to all the different people that we might listen to and we start learning things about God, sometimes things can feel complicated and the enemy wants to come in and complicate things. And I just like to go back to the simplicity. To me, if I keep things simple, I'm good. And so I wanted to just start, what came on my heart this morning is um, just a reminder first, John 6, 63, where it says, it's the spirit that quickens, it's the spirit that quickeneth the flesh, profits nothing. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. There's a lot of words coming at us all over the place. But God's words are the ones that bring spirit and they're the ones that bring life. Nothing else does. They'll bring you knowledge. They may bring you opinion, but they aren't necessarily going to bring you spirit and they aren't going to bring you life. So when we're talking, we're spirit beings. It's important that we fill ourselves with spirit and life. So the scripture... um, that I felt like he wanted me to just kind of lean off of is Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you may have heard that a million times and you may not have heard it ever before. But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We were created to be filled. We're going to fill ourselves with something. We can't help it. We're created that way. God created us that way to be filled by him. But if we don't fill ourselves with him, we're going to be filled by something. And so it's either going to bring life or it's not going to bring life. So I wanted to kind of break down, and some of this may be repetitive from, from since we started the Unhindered Faith series, and some of it may not be. Um, but I just wanted to break it down and go through some things. So we're going to break down faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're going to start there. So faith, as you probably heard earlier in the teachings on faith, the Greek word for faith is pistis. And in all its simplicity, it means trust. It means reliance. It means confidence. This is everything it means in the Greek, if you look it up in the Greek. Trust, reliance, confidence, assurance, belief, a firm persuasion, And it means a conviction. So I was thinking about it, and I was like, you know, no one will ever, 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 ever be able to convince me I'm not born again. Ever. Like, it's just not, no one will ever be able to convince me I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit and I don't speak in tongues. It's just not going to happen. Why? Because I've had the experience. I have a relationship with God. I hear his voice. I walk with him. You can't convince me because I've had experiences with him. So there's no way you can ever tell me that it's that I'm not. And I started thinking, well, in other areas of my life, do I always believe he's going to be my provider? Do I always believe he wants to heal me and he will heal me? Do I always believe he's going to protect me? There's other things that all of a sudden we have to start thinking, am I that convinced in myself about all this other stuff? 
And if I'm not that convinced, then that tells me, okay, now I'm going to have to get in and I'm going to have to get in some scriptures and I'm going to have to get in the word and I'm going to have to talk to God about some things so that I, he will be my full reliance in prosperity. He will be my full reliance in protection. He will be my full reliance in healing. And so that's kind of like a good baseline that I have found for myself to be like, okay, do I believe he's going to provide for this need as much as I believe he's born, I'm born again? And so, so with the conviction, the interesting thing about the, convi- uh, the word conviction is <laughs> the, <laughs> the interesting thing about the word conviction is it's, it's the state of being convinced. And I found that interesting because I was like, you know, some people go into a state of shock. And when you're in a state of shock, it's a, it's a state that your entire being goes into as a result of trauma or maybe a health issue or whatever it may be. And so they're in, you go, oh, they're in a state of shock right now. Well, when we're convinced of something, we're in a state of conviction. We're in a state of being fully persuaded. And so when we're talking about um, we live by faith, then we live in a state, perpetual state. A state is it's perpetual. So we live in a perpetual state of trusting God. There's just, there's nothing else that comes at us with anything that comes at us. We go, I trust God. I trust God. I trust God. And so, you know, when we say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by our convictions and our persuasions of our trust in God. So that also in the Greek, the, it also means a conviction respecting God and his word and the believer's relationship with him. The other thing it means is a conviction based upon hearing. Now, this is just the word faith, right? In this scripture, just the word faith. A conviction based upon hearing. All right, so now we're, so we're going to keep going. So faith comes by hearing. So the word comes just means comes. It means you come to me. If something comes to me, it's come to me. Not like my little pup when I say come and she stares at me. You talking to me? (laughs) She does not come (laughs) yet. (laughs) But anyway, so when something comes to you, it moves from one place and it comes to you. So it's, it's a positional type thing. So faith comes by hearing. The word hearing in the Greek means hearing. That's what it means. So whatever you hear is what you're taking in, which is what going to become your belief system, which is going to be what you're convicted of, right? So one of the scriptures, Mark, or sorry, Matthew 4.24, it says, talking about Jesus, it said, um, actually, let me start. Uh, starting in verse 23. And Jesus was going about in all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people. And the news, and the King James says the fame, the fame of him went out into all Syria and they brought into him all the sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments and those which were possessed with devils and those were which uh, were lunatics and those that had palsy and he healed them. That word fame in the Greek is the word for hearing. So basically what it's saying to us is the hearing, they went out 
And upon hearing what had happened and what Jesus was doing, they got convicted of it, believed, and acted upon it, and then a whole bunch of people were healed. So faith comes by hearing. Now, the other thing about the word hearing is that it's present continuous. Remember in English class, you have like past tense, present tense, future tense, and then when it's an ing word, it's present continuous. So that means faith comes by hearing. It's not having heard, and it's not will hear, it's hearing. So it's hearing all the time. Hearing, 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 hearing. And if you think about it, we're, like I said, we're surrounded by words all the time. This is exactly what advertising does. Exactly. Political ads want you to look, think somebody's this and somebody's that. Insurance companies out the wazoo on TV want you to buy their insurance. Um, you know, uh, home companies, you know, construction companies, pharmaceutical ads. Oh, my word. The pharmaceutical ads are all over the TV. If you watch them long enough, then they'll start convincing you that you need something. Something's wrong with you. You need it. Whatever. You know, you go to the doctor. They prescribe. Oh, I saw that on TV. It will heal me. It only has 8 million side effects, but it, it'll be okay. You know, I mean, they're convincing you. They're convincing you. They're trying to convince you. And the more you hear and the more you take in, the more you believe. So you may have started not even believing something. And then all of a sudden you're like, I need to switch insurance companies. Maybe I'll try Liberty Mutual. I've seen their commercial 8 million times. <laughs> and so maybe I'll try them. And that's what they're, they're vying for your attention. They're vying for your support. They're vying for you to support them. So I have a fun little game. So we all like TV jingles or commercial jingles. So I'm going to start this each. I have a few of these. I'm going to start them and you guys finish it. Okay. All right. Like a good neighbor. This is an old one. The young ones may not know this one. Oh, I wish I was a... <laughs> plop, plop, fizz, fizz. Are you ready for some? <laughs> Nationwide is... <laughs> give me a break, give me a break. Break me off a piece of that. <laughs> oh, you guys are good. Hearing, hearing, hearing. It all happened because we heard and 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 we heard. We didn't hear it once. We heard it continuously all the time. Heard it, heard it, heard it, heard it, heard it. And that's the same thing with the word of God. When we hear it, hear it, hear it, it becomes a part of us. That's why we've got to meditate, get into the word, get scriptures in us, get the word, communicate with God through his word. What does this scripture mean? Tell me more about it. Because when you need it, it'll regurgitate up just like that. I can still remember almost every word to every 80s song that I loved in the 80s. When I turn on XM radio on the 80s channel, I can sing them all. And I'm like, Wow. I knew the scriptures like this. This would be great, you know. <laughs> I do know some of them like that, but not all of them. So we live, it's okay. We live in a present continuous state of hearing from God. So Philippians 3.1, Paul was talking to the Philippians, and he says there, 
For the rest, my brethren, delight yourselves in the Lord and continue to rejoice that you are in him to keep writing you over and over of the same things is not irksome to me. And it is a precaution for your safety. Another version says it's a safeguard for you. Isn't that interesting? Because sometimes we get and go, God, you want me, you want me to go to the scripture again? You want to talk to me about this topic of love or whatever again? It's not irksome for him. So Paul was saying, when I write you these things over and over again, it's not irksome. This is for your safety. And the same thing when we hear the word and hear the word and read the word and read the word, it's for our safety. I mean, think about it. It's good for us to hear things over and over. If you told your spouse you only loved him or her one time when you got married, if you only told your kids one time that you loved them, what would that ha- what would happen? I mean, we need to hear things over and over and over because what happens is when you do tell someone you love them and then all of a sudden you stop, you create doubt. All of a sudden you open the door for doubt to come in and say, and then they go, okay, did I do something wrong? Did I, you know, are they mad at me? They haven't told me they love me in a while. What's happening? And if you're, if you're a kid and all of a sudden your parents quit telling you they love you, you're like, did I do something wrong? What, what do I need to do? What's happening here? And it creates this issue of doubt. And we see it going back to Genesis with, with Eve. Because when Eve entertained what the devil was telling her, all of a sudden, I mean, they were doing great with God, but she entertained words that the enemy was saying that were not correct. And because she entertained it, it brought in doubt, it brought in unbelief, and eventually they sinned. So it's very, very important for us to maintain like hearing the word, hearing the word, hearing the word. When um, in Philippians, when it says it's a safeguard for you, a safeguard is protection. Like it builds like a fence or an old word is a bulwark, but a bulwark was like this large solid wall that you couldn't get through. And so it builds a shield and a fence and a bulwark. It builds a protection of you, for you. Um, so when we listen to God's words to us over and over again, we continue to keep a safeguard of truth around us, and we create a stronghold of confidence or faith in God's words. You know, we had somebody in pre-service prayer, thank God, they were, they said they were um, four months off of drugs. Their addiction had been broken. An addiction is a stronghold. A stronghold is something that has a strong hold on you, and you can't seem to break that thing off. We do the same thing with the word of God. We create a stronghold of his word around us so that the enemy can't penetrate through and it can't be broken. It's like I said, I have a stronghold in salvation and and baptism of the Holy Spirit. It can't be broken. I'm not going to be unconvinced of anything. There's a stronghold in my life in that area. So that's what we do. We take things and we, we develop God's word. We create a stronghold of confidence or faith in God's word, in him. 
And I want to look at um, Proverbs 4. Oops. Um, Proverbs 4, starting in verse 20, uh, says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their whole body. Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. All right, so this, we're still on the hearing. This is all part of the hearing one. So here he's saying, give attention to my words. Give attention, pay attention, pay attention to what I'm telling you right now. Like you take a child and you go, look at me, look at me. Pay attention to me right now because I'm getting ready to tell you something very important. Incline your ear to, my, to what I'm saying. In the Hebrew, that word incline actually means to stoop and bow the ear. To stoop and bow the ear. And I saw someone one time describe it as like, when you go, what? I can't hear you. What'd you say? And you lean in to hear what the person's saying to you. It also says, listen attentively to what is said as being the greatest, as if it's the greatest moment and the greatest importance. That's what incline means. What are you saying to me, God? Let me make sure I'm listening. So he says, incline your ear um, to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your sight. Keep them in the midst of your heart. When you keep things in the midst of your heart, you provide um, a safeguard around you. It's just like what we were talking about before. Hearing and hearing, you create a stronghold of God's word, of God around you. So keep them in the midst of your heart because it's a safeguard around you. And in Psalm 119, 105, we see thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So when we have this safeguard around us, we can literally walk out what he's, where he's telling us to go or what he's telling us to do. He's a um, lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So it says, keep them in the midst of your heart for they are life to those who find them. Life, that word life actually means like um, vegetation and sustenance that way. And so when you're talking about that, people will come, when you guard your heart, people will come, Pastor Kathy says, eat out of your lives. They will eat out from you. They will get sustenance from the spirit of life inside of you. So you guard your heart and the things in it so that other people can come and get sus spiritual sustenance out of your life. And that's part of the ministry that we're called to do and who we're called to be. They are life to all who find them and healing to all their flesh. Healing, health, remedy, medicine. Your words can literally provide the sustenance that people need, the health that people need. It brings whatever they, they're looking for, it can bring that to them. Now it says, watch over, let's see, got two different versions here. Okay, watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. Watch over means, in the Hebrew, it means to guard with fidelity. That's a strong, that's stronger than even guarding. That's like guard it with faithfulness. Guard it with loyalty. Guard it. 
Watch over your heart with all diligence. Now, this is what I think is interesting. When when I hear the word del- diligence, I just think, you know, like a steadfast, you know, and just continuous, which I'm sure that it does. However, the Hebrew likens that word to a prison guard watching over a place of confinement. That's strong. A prison guard watching over a place of confinement, which means your heart is where God's word lands. And it's the, it's the birthing ground, it's the breeding ground, it's, you know, it's, where, it's where, as they said, the issues of life flow out from. So you're guarding your heart like a prison guard would watch over, it becomes a place of confinement in a good way so, because it's protection and you're watching over it like a prison guard to make sure no one escapes because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy and he comes after the word quickly. He comes after the word quickly. The word says he comes immediately to steal the word in Mark chapter 4. So you're guarding what God has put in you and the revelation and the truths that he's put in you like a prison guard would guard a camp, a, a confined facility. All right, so watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the issues of life. We just talked about that one. So faith comes by hearing. So all that was on hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So the word of God, the word, the word in the word of God, the word means rhema, which is the living word, the spoken word, the word that's alive to you, that God has spoken in some capacity through the scriptures, through journaling, whatever that may be, he has spoken to you a word and it's alive, right? I have an example. You know, when you've got something that's alive, I was, I was talking to a few months ago to Sandy Hyde about an issue I was having in my life. And we were kind of talking through it. Nothing was really hitting me. And then all of a sudden she looked at me and she said, you need to break a soul tie. And I went, that's it. I mean, I mean, it just erupted out of me. And I was like, that was a rhema. That was right there was like, oh, wow, that's what I need to do. And that's, that's the type of thing, you know, when God gives you those things. And sometimes it takes, sometimes you just meditate on a scripture and you meditate and all of a sudden you, you're starting to see things and you're like, wow, I didn't, you know, I've never seen this part before. This is really cool. So it comes in different ways. But the rhema is the living word, was alive. The entire Bible, anything in the Bible can be a rhema to you. It's what does God bring alive to you, right? So I want to go to Ephesians. Six. I love this. Okay, so we're talking about the rhema, the rhema, the rhema, right? So the word that God has spoken to you. So in Ephesians 6, let me, I'm going to start in verse 10. We're heading towards 17, but I'm going to start in 10. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Okay. So in this, what he's, what Paul is doing here is likening all of this to a Roman soldier, right? So I want to read to you, because he says in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, all right? So I have this nice book here by Rick Renner called Dress to Kill, and he did a, an entire study on um, the soldiers and what they wore and that sort of thing. So I want to read this one part, and this has to do with the sword of the spirit, or the uh, types of swords that they used back then, because this is going to equate to the sword of the spirit. So he goes through four four different ones, which I won't read all those. The fifth one, all right, was this one right here. So when Paul wrote this, he was likening it to this um, sword which in the Greek was um, machera, it's M-A-C-H-A-I-R-A, right? Okay, so when he says this, that's the type of sword it was. This brutal weapon of murder was approximately 19 inches long. Both sides of its blade were razor sharp, making this sword much more dangerous than the other four. In addition, the tip of the sword turned upward causing the point of the blade to be extremely sharp and deadly. This two-edged blade inflicted a wound far worse than the other swords. Before a Roman soldier withdrew this particular sword from from the gut of his enemy, he would hold his sword very tightly with both hands and give it a wrenching twist inside the enemy's stomach. This would cause the opponent's entrails to spill out as the soldier pulled the sword from the enemy's body. Of all the swords available, this Machera sword was the most dangerous of all. Although the other swords were deadly, this one was a terror to the imagination. The sword was not only intended to kill, but to completely rip an enemy's inside to shreds. It was a weapon of murder. That's the rhema word. (laughs) All of that right there was just what Paul said, take the sword of the spirit, which is the alive word that God has given you. And when you've got a situation and you take the live word that he's given you and you apply it in that situation, basically that is exactly what you're doing to the enemy. You're pushing that thing in, you're twisting it around and you're watching him completely come apart in front of you and the situation completely come apart in front of you. That is like, I was so excited when I read that, as disgusting as that was, as I was like, yes, that's the, that is it. That's the rhema. That's the power that we have. 
in every situation that we walk through, that's the power. He has not left us powerless by any means. I mean, you can look at so many different things and be like, oh, you gave me the power of praying in, in the spirit and this direct contact with you that bypasses my brain and just lets me know exactly what you want to do. He's given us all these different things. But when that rainbow word goes forth and you tuck that thing in that situation, you're going to shred the enemy's plans to bits, to bits. Ah, I just was like, Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that made me so happy. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't wait to share that with you guys. I was like, yeah, because that's your sword. That is your sword. You know, and, and, and the, the word can come in different ways. I had a situation years ago and I had, um, the situation wasn't funny, but the whole story behind it was funny. But anyway, I won't go into all that. But anyway, I had these two bouts with this infection. And so finally, after the second bout, I saw Pastor Barry when the bookstore was over there and I said, Pastor Barry, you got to pray for me. And I was like, I can't keep doing this. He goes, oh, I always come to pray for you. And so he prayed for me. And I don't know what all he prayed. The only thing I remember is we declare this infection dead in the name of Jesus. And he prayed stuff before that. And he prayed stuff after that. And that is all I remember. And I'll tell you what, I have stood on that thing when anything tries to rear its head that looks anywhere somewhere like that. I stand on that word. And it goes every single solitary time because that was raiment to me. That was, that was the word that I can put through into the situation and watch it fall apart right in front of me because that was the power word. You can have, I shared um, in, in the offering a few weeks ago about, you know, getting upset with the gas prices and immediately a thought came and immediately right behind it, an old worship song came up. And I'm like, where? I don't even know this song. I mean, I mean, I know it, but I haven't sung it in eons. But it saved me. It, it came right up. And that's the thing. When you put the word in you, whether it be in a worship song, whether it be something from your journal, whether it be the word of truth from the scriptures, when you put that in, God has something. The Holy Spirit has something to draw out in the moment that you need it. And that's why it's so important for us to stay and guard what's in our heart and to be in, in with God and in the word and in having relationship with him and fellowship with him because those are the things that come up. One of the, um, what do you call it? Re not researchers, but anyway, one of those people, you know when you look up words and then theologians, whatever. Anyway, they said, here's the thing. <laughs> One of those people that researches things much deeper than I do, you know. I can't think of what they're called. No, 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 no. Like they research the Bible. Huh? Not theologian, but anyway, we'll say theologian. Anyway, some guy that I was reading online, he said, the significance of rhema as distinct from logos is exemplified in the injunction to take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Here is the reference not to the whole Bible, as such, well, where'd my other piece of paper go? Oh, there it is. Not to the whole Bible as such, but to the individual scripture, which the spirit brings to our remembrance for use in time of need, a prerequisite being this regular storing of the mind with scripture. 
In other words, you have to have the regular storing of your mind with scripture in order for the Holy Spirit to have something to pull up. In order for him to give you a rhema that you can use in the time that you need it. So we go back to the beginning and we say Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right. Conviction of truth comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Firm persuasion of truth comes by hearing the word of God over and over again. Certainty of God comes by hearing the word of God over and over again. Trust in God comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Belief in God comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Confidence in God comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Fidelity to God comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I safeguard myself by hearing the word of God over and over again. I build a stronghold of truth in my life by hearing the word over and over again. This went much faster than I thought. Good, I can keep going. All right, so if in Romans... Chapter 4, talking about Abraham and Sarah, who God called to have a child way past their ability physically to have children. Um, Verse 16, for this reason, it is by faith that it might be in accordance with grace in order that the promise may be certain to all the descendants, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, a father of nations have I made you. In the sight of him, God, whom Abraham believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope against hope, Abraham believed in in order that he might become a father of many nations. Verse 19, and without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet, it's a big yet, he contemplated the bad situation that was in front of him, but with respect... With respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, in his conviction, in his persuasion, in his confidence, giving glory to God and being fully assured that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. With respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith. How did he grow strong in faith? He kept repeating God's words over and over and gave him glory. He gave him glory and glory. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You made me a father of many nations. I thank you that we're going to have a son. We're going to have a father. We'll all be a father of many nations. Whatever it was that he said. He continued to do that. took 25 years for that promise to come to pass. But it did. So he kept telling himself, and then God had also changed their names to Abraham and Sarah, which meant father of many nations, mother of many nations. So every time they said their names, they were, they were declaring that is who they were. And so in the course of 25 years, they began to believe it. And when they believed it, it came to pass. 
So these are, you know, um, our thoughts and, and meditation and what we think about is so, so very important. Um, I'm wanting to do this, um, these couple of scriptures and then, um, and then we'll close. We'll be done. Um, but our thoughts and our meditations are so important. So second Corinthians chapter 10, where'd Corinthians go? Um, chapter 10, verses 3 through 6 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons. Is this what I want? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of, of strongholds. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing that raises itself up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Um, uh, let me read this one. I didn't even realize I had it in my notes. Okay. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing, that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. So I want to look at this where it says in verse five, casting down imaginations. So when you look up in the word, in the, in the, um, what the word cast means, it means a forceful repudiation. So then I was like, well, what does repudiation mean? I kind of know what it means, but you know, I like to look up words. So here's what repudiation means. To divorce from, to refuse to have anything to do with, to refuse to accept, to reject as unauthorized or as having no binding force, to reject as untrue or unjust, to refuse to acknowledge. So when we have thoughts that are coming in contrary to God's thoughts, he tells us, cast them down. So to cast them down is a forceful repudiation. Don't entertain them. Don't entertain those things. Well, maybe I'm not good enough to do this job or whatever. Don't entertain it. Don't entertain any of that stuff. He's saying, divorce yourself from that thought. Don't just, don't, don't acknowledge it. Refuse to acknowledge it come back with what does God say? Don't just put it down, but say, no, God, God says I can do, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So always confirm with yourself what he says. But this is, I mean, this is a very forceful word. When he says a forceful repudiation, it means don't mess around with it. And too many times we mess around with things. We just do. So take this and say, don't mess around with it. So basically it says, casting down imaginations and every high thing, anything that tries to make itself bigger than God, um, yeah, exhaust itself against the knowledge of God. Divorce yourself from it 
refuse to have anything to do with it, refuse to accept it, reject it as unauthorized, reject as having no binding force, reject it as untrue, refuse to acknowledge and bring it into, into captivity, those thoughts to the obedience of Christ, the anointing and the, Christ, the anointed one and his anointing. So anytime, check the thoughts. Because we have thoughts all the time. We have them coming at us. Philippians 4, 8, 9 says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which, this is Paul talking, those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. So that's what I want to leave the whole thing with as well is think on those things. Think the God thoughts because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's all about what are we taking into ourselves? What are we doing with the things that aren't of him? Are we shooing them away? Are we casting them out or are we entertaining some things? And once we, once we get you know, we take a very serious stance on some things, we'll see some changes in our lives, in our situations. So that's it. That completes the, <laughs> the evening. <laughs> so Father, we just thank you for the, the night tonight. We thank you for all the things that you've done. I just thank you, Holy Spirit, for the way you've moved in worship and just in, in, in the so chats ahead of time and worship chats and just everything. Thank you that whatever people need from this word tonight, you have just put that right inside of them and they won't forget it. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're the one that convicts us of truth. You're the one that causes us to keep raising things up on the inside of us and causes us to have, uh, causes us to have revelation of truth. So I thank you. You continue to reveal truth to everybody here tonight and that you won't let any of us go like not shoot poo 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 it away <laughs> whatever you want us to show us individually we can't poo poo it away you'll just keep bringing it back up and bringing it back up until until we we get it so we just thank you and give you all the honor and glory in jesus name amen <laughs>